Hey everybody, I hope you're doing well. I want to welcome you to the Weathered Athlete Podcast. A place to honor those athletes that refuse to go quietly in the night. So how did we get here? Uh, It's amazing. So I've entered aid station number one, which means I have now covered 10 miles. And I I just, I, I can't believe it's come this far. And so, you know, some of you know the story, but most of you don't. So I want to just take a few minutes here and kind of just summarize where where I've been. You know, this journey, if I think about it, started about a year ago. Uh, it would be a year tomorrow that I completed uh, Ironman Chattanooga. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have Walt uh, Maxwell, who's on the panel here, and another friend, Joe Matthews, and I. Uh, basically, we went into Ironman Chattanooga uh, together raised about $20,000. Uh, honestly, finishing that event, it was my first Ironman. I did it to celebrate age 50, and I was on top of the world. The problem is, once you kind of complete an event like that, it's kind of life-changing. Um, come out of that, and it was kind of what looking for direction. What do I do now? Um, so, uh, kind of, I had two uh, events set up in the spring, thinking, okay, I'll start to train for them and then unfortunately COVID hits so I went on probably a four to six week uh, bender on uh, Netflix and Amazon Prime where all I did was watch shows and honestly I was so unfulfilled it would definitely the not the highlight of my uh, my past year Um, but luckily uh, Mike uh, Studer who's on this call had um, had asked me to be part of a week-long webinar on the aging athlete. So I had pretty much all winter long, I've been doing some research, but anybody who knows me, I'm a social creature. I, I can't sit there and look at uh, research articles. And it, it basically, I'd much rather hear it, see it, feel it. Um, so trying to think, okay, how can I get myself back on track? So we get to uh, July 1st, I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? So I think, let me just reach out to Charlie Plascon. He is a 77-year-old visually impaired triathlete that uh, Joe and I had met up with during the run portion of Ironman Chattanooga. And I'm like, I wonder if he'd be willing to talk to me. So I sent him an email and to Charlie's credit, he reached back out to me and called me the next day. Had a great conversation with him. And the thing is, when I got off the phone with him, I'm like, oh, now what? How am I going to kind of harness this? And how am I going to get this information out there, at least to share with other people? Because it's too good to have for myself. So I'm a podcast guy. So I'm thinking, hey, I'll start a podcast. How difficult can that be? (laughs) Boy, um, I I started researching uh, podcast platforms. And for anybody who's taken a look at them, there's so many. Uh, They're just... I basically just searched them all and then settled on Podbean and then um, kind of figured out what am I going to do as far as a name. So I don't like aging, I don't like geriatric, I hated elderly, so I'm thinking weathered. You know, I did uh, uh, basically a uh, word association, came up with weathering, you know, weathering, uh, we were all weathering one day at a time and it takes that, that weathering that... The weathering that provides the character and resilience to take on the next day. So, published the first episode or first promo on July 8th, uh, created a website on July 11th, 
and then was lucky enough to talk Walt Maxwell into being uh, my first interview on July 12th. Had another uh, friend of mine, uh, Beth, who I talked into doing an interview as well. And honestly, Beth, uh, and you've been holding on. I, I promise your episode will be this week. She's been patient, and I want to try to get her as big of an audience as I can. Um, so July 18th, we published our first mile. I've actually done 14 interviews at this point and uh, published 10 episodes. Uh, pretty amazing. Um, so July 30th, actually, we inspired our first athlete. Uh, this is Lily, our 18-pound, 13-year-old calico cat. She is the official mascot of the Weathered Athlete Podcast. She has never done this before. Lily really doesn't do much of anything. Um, sitting on the couch, she climbed up there, and I could tell right from the beginning she was going to take on couch jumping. Uh, my wife is in the background screaming, don't let her do it, she's going to hurt herself. Um, so I did what any physical therapist and uh, proud papa does. I pulled out my phone, and I sat there, and I kind of watched her and saw what she was going to do, and here we go, and bam, she nails it. Um, so she ended up having a little bit of a limp after that, but I'm going to blame the dogs. I think she was... Uh, I think she was thrilled, and she's walking around all proud. You know, she harnessed her inner kitty. So she is our first inspired athlete and our official mascot. Um, as I was kind of summarizing, kind of thinking about where I've been, uh, two quotes hit me. Uh, first is, the difference between impossible and possible lies in a person's determination. Uh, for those of you that have listened to any of these episodes, that is one trend that I think you'll find with all these people, is they are determined. They Nothing gets in their way. Um, and then the other thing is, my comfort zone is like a little bubble around me. I've pushed it in different directions and made it bigger and bigger until these objectives that seem totally crazy eventually fall within the realm of possible. That's Alex Honnold. Now, no one in these uh, 10 miles has uh, climbed El Capitan, but I think it's a great lesson for all of us of how some people started, is you just got to keep pushing things a little bit farther. One step leads to another step, kind of like me doing this podcast and now doing a live stream. I, I would have never expected I'd be at this point to where I'm doing all this. So I, I thank everybody for being a part of this. And... What we're going to do is I'm going to cut away here in a minute to um, our live stream panel, and I greatly appreciate that. So thank you very much, everybody. Here we go. Are you there? Here. Hey. Hi. Actually, did the video come through? I uh, did not see the cat video. Oh, did you see any of the other stuff? No. Yep. Oh, well, so we'll have to, I'll publish that online. So there, there's our first glitch of the night. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, anybody watching, we have uh, Walt Maxwell. I have Becca Georgre. Carl Cook. Uh, Dr. Dick Rosen. And Mike Studer. I'm here. How's you can't everybody see doing? me, but I'm here. Okay. How's everybody doing today? Good. Okay. Fine. Doing great. So um, I apologize that again. You just, you know, you can only do so much at, at once. So, um, yeah, so what we're going to do is I'm going to open the floor. Does anybody have anything you um, want to say about being part of this? 
Uh, I'll start not hearing anybody else, and I'm just going to say I feel like I've already learned more than I've given. Uh, Appreciative to be part of the journey so far uh, at mile number nine, and I can see why you needed to take a rest break after ours uh, to hit the first aid station. (laughs) But I'm just thankful for what I've learned already by so many great stories. Uh, So thank you, Pete. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. I love the name Weathered Athlete. I think um, it's hard to to say I'm a you know I'm a senior athlete or I'm an aging athlete or find the right thing. And um, I think from you know just from doing research with athletes, once you get into it, nobody really cares what you're called um, yeah. once you're doing it because it feels so good. But uh, yeah, cool name and it's fun to be a part of it. Well, Absolutely. Thanks. thanks, Pete, and congratulations. Yeah, 10 miles, and um, um, I'm just, uh, I'm really impressed um, with uh, your your dedication and focus and all of the resources, time, and et cetera, that you put into this, and, um, um, you know, well-deserved, and congratulations. Thanks a lot. So um, if anybody has anything else to say, I'm going to kind of open the floor. I want to start off with um, goal setting. Um, I, I'm just curious to see if there's anybody on the panel, you know, how do you, if you're willing to speak about setting goals, do you do uh, day goals? Do you do um, uh, weekly, yearly? What, what kind of things do you do? And that's open to anybody. So, well, um, I basically just have weekly goals, but I my main goal is, and I've told my friends this: our our goal is going to be set the world record for a ninety year old relay team. That that way, it keeps it in perspective. You know, I'm running for life here, not just for what's coming up in the next few months, or but I, I do that too. <laughs> but anyway, I'm gonna I'm trying I'm gonna get that's I really mean to do that when I'm not if not when I'm ninety I'll get the remaining friends together. <laughs> well, it's funny that um, Mike and I joke that you know he's the uh, the pickleball champ. I said I'm gonna tag team on on his uh, fame here in another uh, twenty years or thirty years. We're gonna be on that pickleball court uh, as. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as doubles yeah that's a, that would be a good goal too and i like the the long-term nature of that uh that's great uh myself since you pulled me in there i'll actually state that uh, i will occasionally set goals that are uh life milestone goals i want to you know complete the boston marathon again when i'm 50 so i set a goal for qualifying that and arranged some uh, marathon training as such Uh, Sometimes I'll actually end up doing destination events as well. We want to take a trip here, so I'm going to train for that so I can do well at this. So typically, I could summarize succinctly to say that most of my training-based goals are organized around signing up for an event, which I think we can all pretty well identify with right now. Uh, We're either the type of person that's going to do a virtual event or we're waiting for our next opportunity to do a true live mass start, uh, large in-person event. Um, And then accordingly, we can uh, train by what the event commands of us uh, and uh, and what our time goals are, whether we're gonna try to, you know, place 
um, or beat our own previous time. So that's kind of my approach. Okay. Um, Dr. Rosen, do you set up goals as far as, you know, things you're going to do during the week? You can hear me. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Pete, for asking me. Um, I enjoyed listening to our interview or my your interview with me, and I learned for the first time how slowly I talk. Uh, it hasn't made me try and talk faster, but it's interesting. I never knew that until I played back on the interview. Um, it varies. Uh, my goal today was to complete the virtual uh, competition for the North Carolina Senior Games in the event of the 10K. I'm the only person in my age group, so it really didn't matter what my time was. I couldn't use your course because it's broken up by the construction in Country Park and uh, the Guilford Military Park, uh, but I ran 25 laps in a local track at Kernodal Middle School, um, and uh, it's 17 minutes slower than last year, which is a huge drop-off, but I, uh, I'm pretty relaxed about how huge drops occur at my age. Uh, as Pete knows, I'm only able to run about 40 strides now, and I get too short of breath to keep running. So when I talk about a 10K on a track, I run the start of the straightaway in each direction and then walk to the next start of the straightaway. Um, but it varies. Uh, this goal happened today largely because I didn't get to do any running or walking yesterday because of scheduling. Um, but certainly when I was running marathons, which I did over a three-year period, I ran seven of them, and they were like every six months, um, and they were well-defined goals with uh, long runs, uh, particularly in the last eight weeks before the marathon. But that, the last one I ran was 1979. <laughs> I ran a bunch of half marathons until the 2010s, but not any recently. Yeah. Uh, I, I, have, I began running at age 42 on a happenstance, but since I've been running, I've never had uh, more than a day or two where I didn't want to get out there and do something. Um, I never did anything as ambitious as a triathlon. Um, I've never really ridden a bike, and I would think that I'd be in great danger of falling if I tried to go as fast as I could downhill. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's out of the question. Um, and I swam this summer briefly i had heel pain and i couldn't walk or run at all and so for the month of july i was just swimming i hate swimming but it beats being sedentary um i can ramble for a long time but my goal setting uh it, it it's entirely variable i i don't uh actually plan on long-term goals now. I was disappointed by COVID because uh, I thought that I might qualify and go to nationals. The next nationals are still scheduled for 
November 2021 in Fort Lauderdale. And that would probably be a bad um, away game for me because there's hundreds of uh, elderly people in Florida that don't have to travel very far and would take part in the Nationals uh, located in Fort Lauderdale. I'll stop there. Yeah. So um, for those that don't know, uh, Dick is going to be, he's 90. So he'd be the baby of the age group uh, this year. So that's why I was somewhat disappointed. And I know he was too, that the games were canceled this year. Um, but uh, I, he didn't have any competition. He would have won anyways. Um, so, but he still would have put it on. And Carl's actually seeing him compete. Uh, he definitely uh, goes hard. Um how about Walt? Do you have any uh, any uh, things you sure? Do? Um, yeah, it's funny. I was kind of thinking, you know, reflecting a little bit on what Mike said. Uh, you know, Iron Man right now. Um, to look at next year, it's going to be like getting tickets for a U two concert. You know, the, the spots are coveted. You know, with COVID, everything's going to be thrown into next year, and you know, those slots are going to go. Um, and so, fortunately. Um, you know, we had some deferrals from this year for a few halves, which were great. Signed up for my first bowl um, last evening um, in Canada. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and uh, but, I, I, you know, like Mike said, I, I think there's, you know, we put the goal out there. Right. And, and in this case, it's kind of a quasi destination race and, um, you know, and a, and a goal, too. And then we sort of work back. Right. We work backwards from it. Um and in that, right, I mean, we still have we still have family goals. We still have work goals. You know, we still have our athletic goals. And then we have to put all of that together, right, yeah. um, to be to really get that that balance in life and be really happy. So, um, yeah, and, and, and one kind of fuels the other. Right. I mean, if 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 everything's going you know well at work and and I can get my training in and things are great at home. And I mean, it's just, it's really, really fulfilling. Um, and so it's great to sort of build those goals and, and work everything, you know, towards it. Yeah. Hey, Hello, I'm gonna, Sue. I'm going to take a minute and, and introduce Sue Reynolds, who's joining us. Hey, Sue. Hey, I'm so sorry. I'm late. My last meeting went long and it was just been one of those days, but hi everybody. Hey, hey no hi. problem. Welcome, welcome. Um, so yeah, we're just kind of we were um, just kind of discussing goals right now. So I'm gonna kind of I'll let see if Becca wants to go first and like give you some time to think about things. Um, but I was just asking how people set their goals. If you're doing kind of a, you know using short term goals uh, to get to the long term goals or what you're doing. So Becca, do you want to jump in there first? Yeah. So I think like during my session, I probably didn't talk that much about myself as an athlete. I was talking more about my research and um, I'll definitely say, you know, my research inspires what I do on uh, more and more. I will say every year it inspires it, what I do more. And, and so I think my long-term goal is to identify as an athlete forever you know, sort of to die as an athlete, but I'm not a very competitive athlete because I'm not very good at anything. Um, I'm good at showing up and um, participating. And I'm finding though that, you know, as a 43, so I'm almost, you know, qualified getting there um, in order to be, to be a senior athlete. But um, I'm finding that if I show up, a lot of my peers are not showing up 
right? Mm -hmm. To practice. I'm swimming masters and I'm working out during COVID. I'm running hills because my gym is closed and my pool was closed until recently. And so I, I bought an erg and I put it in my dining room on Friday. So there's a new challenge in my dining room right now, which I'm excited mm -hmm. about. Um, but uh, honestly, I think it's, but everything I've all the decisions I make right now about what I'll, what I'm willing to do and what I'll do on a day-to-day -day basis come down to, well, then am I still, you know, am I still healthy and um, engaging in this? And will I be able to do that when I'm 86? Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's my long-term goal. So I'm, I'm not winning things, but I'm willing to sign up for just about anything yeah. <laughs> because it's compatible with my goal. Um, and, and also it doesn't, my long-term goal doesn't require me to win anything just to participate. <laughs> that's great. Well, that was, well yeah, that's perfect. Sue, do you have anything to add now? Um, yeah, just in goals, I, Becca, I love everything that you said. Um, one of my long-term goals too, is to be doing this when I'm 90. <laughs> so I'm 66 now. So, um, hopefully I'll, I'll continue to do it, but, um, I really enjoy thinking about goals and kind of studying um, just the whole idea of goals. I, I really like um, outcome goals and process goals. So the outcome goal is just kind of to set the direction that I want to go in. So like, you know, to be able to do a, a triathlon when I'm 90 or to be able to finish my second um, half Ironman or to go back to worlds, qualify for worlds again or, or whatever. But then that just provides the direction. Um, but then what really, really motivates me is the process goals. So, you know, what do I have to do today in order to do a triathlon when I'm 90? Or what do I have to do today to qualify for Worlds um, again? Um, so, yeah, so the process goals um, really, I'm, I'm always looking for, you know, what do I have to do to be better? And then just doing what I have to do every single day um, in order to, to move toward that outcome goals, but the outcome goals aren't guaranteed. There's so many things that, you know, impact the outcome of a triathlon or any, any race really. Um, but I can guarantee the process goals. I can guarantee that I'm going to do what I have to do today and what I have to do tomorrow and, and mm -hmm. all that. So, yeah. So that's my take on goals. Okay. Um, does anybody have, I'll kind of jump. Anybody have any questions for anybody else on, on the panel here? Do people know the other people on the panel? Do I need to go through and take a couple minutes to summarize things or? Yeah. If you haven't already, I thought maybe that was the part I was disappointed about yeah. missing because I was late, but if you haven't done all that, if you haven't done that already, I'd really appreciate that. Okay. Um, so I don't know, I'm going to, I'm going to say a name and have you just kind of wave. Um, so Walt Maxwell, um, he is a local triathlete and actually someone who did Ironman Chattanooga with me last year. He's done, I don't know, 30 plus marathons. Uh, how many Ironman is it now? Seven. 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 Yeah. Seven balls, yeah. yeah. So, so he was uh, mile number one. Then we have Becca Georgie. Becca is the one who created the senior athlete fitness exam. Uh, she's a physical therapist in North Dakota. Um, so she's tested 4,000 athletes. Um, so Carl, when I get to you, she's the one that she may have been the one who tested you. Um, and Most likely. <laughs> yes. So yeah, we'll go to Carl next. Carl um, is uh, 
in his 70s and he actually goes to nationals uh to senior games and is one he's medaled um in in events so uh, he said somebody did test him so I guarantee it was becca um and then dr rosen who's not on here he is 90 um he's the local uh senior games he still runs and plays tennis uh two days a week um and we just talked about his 10k he ran today um and then mike studer who's on the treadmill walking he is a physical therapist in Oregon. He is the neuroplasticity expert on this panel, um, uh, stroke aging, and uh, speaks all over the place. So as you can tell, he's a high-energy guy. He can't sit still. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Melissa Roberts, uh, she is acting as any moderator uh, for us for any questions, if we get any. Um, she's the one that I connected you with for uh, as our TTT president. So that's the panel. Um, anybody have any questions for anybody else on the panel? I'm curious with Dr. Rosen, and maybe you've already shared this. I hate being late because you never know what's been said and what hasn't been said. But um, yeah, for those of us who want to keep doing sports when we're 90, um, any little quick bits of advice? Can you hear me, or am yep. I muted? No, you're there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think you just have to be lucky. Uh, <laughs> so many things uh, have to be fortuitous that you're able to keep going. Uh, I do share your idea, Sue, about process goals. Um, certainly, um, after tennis, which is usually the first thing of any act group of activities that I'll do. I want to be sure and walk and run at least two miles after the last tennis point so that I won't ever be tired when I'm playing tennis. And that's purely process. There, there's no race that I'm getting ready for or anything like that. Um, and it's a lot harder on hot days than it is on a cool day, obviously. Um, but, uh, it, 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 there are going to be bumps in the road. I've had probably an injury at least to keep me out for a month or two, at least once every five or seven years. And um, in coming back, I'm slower uh, and I'm, I'm not as strong. Lately, after the last uh, time where I had heel pain in July, I'm... Uh, my stride that used to be one of the longest in town, I'm small, but most, most of my body is legs. Um, and uh, I, I can now, in the same 40 strides that just a, a few months ago I was doing like about 60 meters, now I'm doing less than 50 meters. It's easy to tell on a track that you're not getting to the prior landmark, uh, mm -hmm. but you just have to roll with the waves. But every injury has left me with uh, being able to compete only for a PR of the post-injury time because I never get back to the pre-injury mm -hmm. time. And um, you just have to uh, accept uh, that uh, there are stories in, in uh, other sports and other people I remember reading, and uh, this was probably in the mid-60s, uh, Ben Hogan had a terrible car accident, and he had 
swelling in his legs from a clot in the inferior vena cava, the main vein that takes blood from the legs to the heart. Um, and you'd think that it would be very hard for him to walk around. Uh, despite that, he won the U.S. Open the next year. So there are people who get injured who somehow get back to a, a huge um, milestone and and their superior skills. But I've never been able to do that, and it doesn't mean that I have to quit. Uh, yeah. And that's the fortunate thing. I, I like being active, uh, and I'll probably be active as long as I'm able to be. Uh, and I, I have not had a, a time where I've been uh, sulking and uh, not able to go out and do something. Okay. That's great. Um, so I'm going to actually piggyback on that. So, you know, I'm curious how people measure success. So I know when, when you're younger, everybody wants to win a race. I'm sure you still always want to win a race now, but how, if anybody wants to jump in, how do you measure success of a, of an event? Um, anybody want to take that? Uh, I'll tip in for a second because I was really, uh, I really enjoyed Rebecca's um, comments, yeah. um, and um, I, I think it it really um, it really spoke to me as well. It's it was really about um, to Sue's point. Part of it's the journey mm-hmm. um, as well. Um, I think you and I, Pete, we've talked about race day is uh, celebration day, right? From taking all that time and and the investment and it's the day of celebration and you know we're already there right we've already succeeded because we got to the starting line um and so that in, in some ways the success um you know very much so forgetting and and the day could go as the day could go you know it's just going to unfold in front of you and 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 we'll take it as it comes and 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 we'll cross the finish line and then that's success too um but part of that is is really getting there um, you know, the journey, right. And as much as the destination, right. So thank you for that, Beck. It really, it really spoke to me. Yeah. Thank you. So I'll chime in real quick here. Um, I being kind of a dopamine, uh, junkie, uh, quasi endorphin (laughs) junkie. Uh, I'll tell you, as a five foot nine, hundred and fifty pound male who was not blessed with a lot of, uh, power, um, I'm an athletic individual uh, in terms of skill, but I'm not, uh, again, born with a lot of physical prowess. So I take success any place I can possibly get it. So for me, uh, I set things up in a couple of different ways. Um, I, I see success as training healthily to get to the event. I, success, I see success as finishing the event safely walking away with some fun memories, either of something that um, I did, saw, um, or experience. Could be a colleague of mine. Could be somebody else that was just motivating to me because they're in a wheelchair or with an assistive device and finishing a race. So, so the fun part of it is there as well. And then after that, I'll look at success being uh, defined only in that fourth period as terms within um, my own column, if you will. So how did I perform compared to goals that I set? How did I perform uh, year year on year or same race course? And then how did I perform against age match colleagues and then against the entire group? 
So really only uh, by the time I get to that fourth point in the column, am I looking at my own performance from a metric that day? Because it's safe training, safe competition completion, fun experience. And then let's look at the stats after that. So that's me for looking at success. Yeah, that, that's excellent. I think yeah. a lot of people look the other way around. They start to look and see where they where they finished. And unfortunately, depending where they finished, does, they don't see any of the other stuff. And that's a, I think that's your way is much better to look at. It's healthier, I think. <laughs> it works for me. <laughs> that, that was yeah, I'm smaller than you. Um, and <laughs> running was the first thing I found where I wasn't trying to get a rebound from somebody a foot taller <laughs> or, or having overheads thrust down my uh, on my side of the net. Yeah. Uh, and it really was a joy. For me, one of the successes, I, I really appreciated the last mile of each marathon. And th I only ran seven of them, so it's not like I was running a marathon once a month or anything. But I knew that that was going to be a rare an unusual event for me, and I, I wanted to really appreciate it as it happened. Uh, the being of the last 100 yards or so in a marathon was something that, that I knew was a, a, a rare and enjoyable accomplishment. But it was the process of doing it that led up to that. Yeah, That's good. Sue, do you have anything you want to add? Yeah, just I when I first started triathlon. So I when I started, I was obese. I I lost two hundred pounds. So my first triathlon. Oh my! I, yeah. So I, I, you got to listen to her episode. You do. You do. I highly recommend it. So I started at three hundred and thirty-five pounds, and and I came in dead last in in every single race, and I really had to struggle with, you know, what is success for me if I'm coming in last, dead last out of everybody, um, you know, race after race after race, and um, I, I think, um, I think, Mike, I, I kind of did what you talked about, too. When I first started out, I thought, um, I'll look at my percentile rank and I was at the very last percentile rank. And then I thought, well, can I move up one percentile rank and then a second percentile rank? Yes. And, you know, I'm finally up to now where I'm, you know, doing well. And, but that, that was, that was huge. And then the other thing that I developed back then that I've still carried through is that I think the biggest success is crossing the start line. Um, mm -hmm. That just, for me, that took then and now it takes, courage and um, grit to, you know, face the challenge. And um, I've always been much prouder of getting across the start line than I am to get across the finish line, no matter where I finish in the race now. So, yeah. 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 yeah, that's huge. I think so many people don't even get into the race, I think. So you're right. I think getting to the start line is such a huge, you know, amazing what will happen when you actually enter the race. I don't care what that is. It doesn't have to be in a <laughs> true event, just doing something. Um, let's see, Carl, do you have anything you want to add to that or? <clears throat> well, I can say a lot. Do you have a specific issue? Uh, well, I mean, I'm, I like to compete. <laughs> Uh, and when I found out I couldn't run anymore, uh, or I thought I wasn't going to be able to run anymore, that's when I started taking up swimming and swimming competitively. Of course, when you learn to swim at 69, you're never going to be <laughs> pop. <laughs> but it's fun. I enjoyed the competition. Yeah. Uh -huh. I like to 
date people, I guess, because you're not you're actually you're always running against yourself. Yeah. Not not anybody else really. So. Yeah. Always competing with myself to get better. I may never run a six minute mile again, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to try to. <laughs> One of the things I, f I feel like, and it sounds like you all are involved in some way or another with either yourselves or with others in endurance sports. And one of the things I think is so nice about endurance sports is that we do compete by age groups. And, um, you know, so I'm thinking, I can't wait till I'm 90 and I'm competing in the 90 to 94 age group. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be, be wild. a relay team. Yeah. It's pretty thin. <laughs> it's pretty thin. <laughs> well, I, I, I talk to so many senior athletes and, and I feel like it's the ones that I see as so successful are just having so much fun. And they're prepared for what they came to do, and right? If, if it's just finishing their race or if it's making their own PR or if it's beating this one other person that they're always close to in the race or something like that, or whatever it might be. But usually by the time I see athletes, well, and it's at various stages throughout the, the games, they're just so happy to be there and to be able to be there. And they know that they've overcome things, you know, that um, like you said, Dr. Rosen, just they're lucky that they yeah, can be please. there. You know, they're, they're fortunate. And some of their fortune comes from hard work and persistence and showing up. And, and there's a bit of luck, right? On top of that, that they haven't been, you know, haven't fallen to some terrible calamity or illness. But I think a lot of that, you know, they're creating their own luck just by being optimistic that they can do it. And I mean, even look at it, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to Dr. Rosen, where he says, well, I have yeah, to, I have to run certain parts and, and then I have to take a break because I get short of breath, but you keep doing it. And, and that's, that's not yeah. luck, right? That's yeah. persistence. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of brilliance there. Yeah. Yeah. Carl, I think you had mentioned something too. When you go to uh, nationals, um, it, it's basically you get to know everybody in your age group. And so yeah. we all know each other. It's really, it's really great. It's like a community. And we're, when we, when we are not running, we're the best of friends. When we're running, we're <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's very competitive Game when we're running, but it's great. I mean, we really like each other too. For the most part. Yeah. You know, Becca touched on something too that, um, and Sue as well. It's, um, you know, Sue, I'm I'm one of the last ones out of the water. Okay, I have no problem finding my bike in transition. Period. It's, <laughs> it's that one over there. Yeah, but um, but what excites me sometimes, it's humbling but exciting at the same time, is when I'm riding up finally on somebody who's 77 years old, who just kicked my ass in a swim, right? Um, and who's putting it down out there and who's, you know, and, and this might, this isn't necessarily a mile one either. This could be a mile 30, you know, um, you know, and in a, in a long, you know, in long course events. And, um, and that's exciting to me to say, ah, look at this guy, you know, and, um, uh, you know, again, hoping, right. Hoping that it's me, right. Yeah. Someday soon, right. Someday as well. So. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. It's exciting. You know, it's, it's, it's one other thing on this, the, the, I think it's funny when I talk to younger um, triathletes because they all assume that that once you get older, there's not the competitiveness of it that we all get you know, seniors and then we become sweet. And, and oh my gosh, <laughs> I think about you mentioned swimming. 
you know, I'm, I'm starting this swim with, with all these 60 to or 65 to 69 year olds. I mean, it's cutthroat. We're like right. swimming to the top of each other. And you know, so <laughs> it's just as competitive. So That's good. yeah, that's funny. It's crazy. Uh, Melissa, do we have any questions? Yes. Yes, okay. we do. Okay. Uh, there, the first one that um, Joe wants to ask is, who are your heroes or how do you find a, um, your source for inspiration? Anybody want to take that one? Well, I can say, I can say one thing, like, honestly, and I, I'm not competing in the games, but I, I swim masters. I do triathlons. I've done a few marathons, but um, my inspiration is for sure. Just seeing everyone out there competing at seeing other people being able to and overcoming so many different things to be able to compete. So my inspiration is, is seeing people go ahead of me and hoping that I can do that as well. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to jump in there on that. So, um, you know, basically the whole reason we're actually doing this podcast is because like I said, I reached out to Charlie Plaskon, the 77 year old visually impaired triathlete. And it's funny about two hours ago, he wasn't able to make it because he's with family. But he reached out to me just to wish everybody uh, good luck today. And he was sorry he wasn't part of this um, live stream. But just, you know, hearing his story and talking about what he has overcome in his life, it's it's pretty amazing. And um, for, for me, anybody who's kind of overcome stuff, you know, um, you know, even Carl's had some health issues um, that he's overcome and still out there running. And I love hearing my best part of senior games. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I'll tell you that is, is you, Dr. Dick Rosen. I love going to senior games to see you run around that track. And uh, it's just amazing. I, I, everybody needs to see these stories and they need to hear them. Um, because I think there's too many excuses out there why they can't do something. And it's not somebody on a basketball court or a baseball or football. It's the senior games, I think, and um, seeing what these athletes can do is just incredible. Well, I'm going to say Dr. Rosen. Yeah, Dr. Rosen, uh, um, I, I, I live near you, um, and I watch you. I see you. Um, I see the hat, right? <laughs> Um, and, uh, much, much respect. And, uh, I look forward to it. It inspires me. And, uh, yeah, yeah. call me Dick. This okay. is doctor business. Uh, it's, it's okay. old. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I wear a floppy hat, as you probably <laughs> noticed, rather than the baseball cap that I wore for the first, wow. uh, 80 years of my life. I've had a couple of skin cancers of my ear which wouldn't have happened if I had floppy hats on before. Um, And I use sunscreen, which I never did earlier. Um, And those are uh, recommendations that I think I, that should be generalized. Right. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? So I've been a PT for 30 years and I'm inspired by, the people that have had things, abilities of all uh, levels taken away from them. And so I remain motivated and inspired by their effort to be able to accomplish the act of walking independently. 
um, and don't take for granted what I've got. And so I remain primarily, but multifactorially, family, faith, and otherwise also inspired. That's probably a primary uh, inspiration that I've had, though, is just coming from the patients that I get the opportunity to help. That's good. Yeah, that's. I was going to kind of go in the same direction. We before I do races, I I write the names of people who inspire me on the palm of my hand, and just so I can remember them when things get tough. But it's always, it's usually the names of people who have chronic illnesses, and and I try to remember during the race that, you know, the pain that I'm have I brought on to myself by choosing to do this, and we'll be over at the end of the race. But they yeah. have to deal with chronic pain forever. And, you know, and often do so with such grace. And I yeah. just take a lot of a lot of courage from that. And I'm really um, also taken by the um, by the uh, uh, paratriathletes who are, you know, mm -hmm. doing triathlon, missing a limb or blind or whatever. And, oh, my gosh, to think about that extra challenge that they have, in addition to just how hard a triathlon is, um, it just inspires me to the nth degree. Yeah, I don't know if anybody who's on the Weathered Athlete Podcast group, here's a plug. Um, I posted a video today that of a uh, an athlete changing a tire with one arm. Yes. He didn't have a hand. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's incredible to watch that video um, and watch him do the whole thing, take the tire off, put the new tire on, uh, inflate it. It's, it's so impressive, and it just shows me, again, that – uh, there's so many things that people can do, and I think I wrote that I can't needs to be removed from the dictionary. We should never say that because you can always do something. The people, it's amazing what they can get done. Um, Melissa, any other questions? Yeah, there's one for Mike. Um, when we were talking, when you were talking about how you measure your success, and you were talking um, your process. Uh, it was asked, is this something you developed or were you just born that way? Because sometimes we have a hard time measuring our own success as being con content, happy, satisfied. So yeah. Um, I come from a long line of people that are probably similarly described as me. Not particularly gifted, but willing to work very hard. Uh, so you know, getting that uh, thrill from training, from working hard, whether it means, you know, repairing the entire fence on our property and, you know, taking that one stretch at a time or, uh, you know, being able to get all of your animals vaccinated. I mean, it's a process just like training is. And I, if you can't tell, I grew up on a very large farm. Uh, that's where my analogies come from. And so work ethic was born into me. Uh, trained naturally into me. And so that's why, you know, leading up to an event, I'm pleased with getting the process done. And then I can put the, the metrics of it later. Um, you know, how many cattle were you able to sell? Uh, did you find all of them? <laughs> what price did they go for? Those types of things. Some of those things are out of your control, but you do everything you can to lead up to it, whether it's competitive athletics, being an entrepreneur, um, or being a farmer, um, you control what you can control. That's great. Um, Becca, uh, so we're at 8.50 now. I'm going to ask Becca or Mike, if you guys want to uh, jump in and, and say anything, just what, you're, what you've seen as far as research, as far as the aging athletes or um, any comments you want to kind of tie in. You first, Becca. Yeah. Cool. Uh, recent <laughs> research on aging yeah. athletes. Um, 
my if I could say one thing that everybody would maybe appreciate or love about aging athletes is that we're just seeing uh, function, like physical function, mirror adults that are probably 20 years younger than your biological age. That's probably my favorite thing that I'm finding in my own research and that runs parallel in other research that I see. So, yeah. and that's not, you know, that doesn't mean that you're winning, right? I don't study just people that win. <laughs> I study people that just do this yeah. after age 50. And to be able to do that, you're, you're going to function at a physical age that's younger than, than your biological age. And I love that. Yeah, that's great. Um, I'll tag on to that. Um, and just say that as I've been studying more, I've come to understand that what we used to attribute as obligatory losses that will occur with aging, uh, we may have overestimated what a person will, as a matter of fact, lose as a function of aging. And we understand that some of that now, maybe as much as 50% in endurance, we don't know that to be the case in strength yet, but in endurance, as much as 50% of the expected losses are use-dependent losses. So I'm getting older. I don't think I will be able to. I should not do. And therefore, the inactivity-based losses are actually equal with the physiologic timed aging losses, if that's clear. Yeah, I think we talked about it in our episode that we did. It's just amazing that um, I think a lot of those losses, people just stop doing things. And so the, the, typically, I think the uh, it was it 1% per year or 10% per decade is what we should see. Mm -hmm. And we end up seeing you know, 10 times that um, just from people not being active. So right. I think everybody on this panel is, no matter what your age is, is a good example of why you need to continue. And mm -hmm. we just look at what Dick's doing every single day. There's something being done every single day, which is so important. Incidentally, there are plenty of studies. Um, I've got some friends with Parkinson's and uh, there's uh, they, they are as active as possible, and they are convinced that being active is retarding the progression of their um, disease that's going to do them in, but it, it, it slows the progression a great deal. And we all know uh, that uh, the major causes of death for us are retarded by activity, uh, and that includes um, heart disease, particularly in heart failure. Even people with heart failure are recommended to do mm -hmm. something as best they possibly can in terms of daily exercise. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's excellent. Uh, Sue, did you have something to jump in? Yeah, I just have a question for, for Becca, Mike, or really anyone. Um, I was reading an article today about um, doping in the amateur athlete community. And I was really surprised that it said that there's a very high, not a high percentage, but a surprisingly high percentage of seniors, amateur athletes that are doping. Hmm. And the article said that um, their theory was that athletes who had been outstanding athletes in their youth, as they're getting older and they're losing their, their ability to compete and that they, you know, there's so much, they feel so internal, much internal pressure to perform that they go to illegal means to do so. 
I was just wondering if you wanted to comment on that or if you had any thoughts or. Mike? Well, it's a temptation. <laughs> and it, it sounds crazy, but uh, I, I watched the Olympic marathon trials in February and they mentioned the uh, shoes with a carbon fiber plate. Yeah. And you can picture me as slow as I am thinking that would that help me? And um, I have a granddaughter that uh, lives with her boyfriend, and he's faster than she is. And I asked her if I could buy a pair of shoes for her with a carbon fiber plate. And she said, no, it wouldn't help me. That's only for elite runners. And I read the reviews in the Nike uh, website, and there were slow runners there who said they were running them a minute per mile faster. So darned if I didn't buy a pair, and I ran a clinical trial using my old shoes for 100 meters, which I can run without walking, and also uh, the fast shoes. And I, there were seven comparisons, five of which the faster shoes were faster, one they were tied, and one the older shoes were faster. Hmm. Uh, Towards the end of that time, I had heel pain, and I thought it might have been due to wearing those fast, very flimsy <laughs> shoes. I don't know if you've seen them, uh, but people say that they only last for about 250 miles. And if you run, you know you usually get much more miles than that from a pair of shoes. So I, I, I can say that, that there is a temptation, no matter how old and slow you are, if there's a way to find a gimmick that might make you faster, you might try it. I've never tried any medication, and uh, I wouldn't uh, think of doing anything like that. Um, and I don't think that anybody I knew was ever tempted for doing anything like that. Yeah, um, I'm going to jump there and say, Mike, uh, just that's a glimpse in 39 <laughs> years from now. That's you at, at 89 doing research. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'm already kind of looking aside because that's almost all I run in is a carbon fiber shoe right now. So I guess to your point, Sue, I'm already doping. <laughs> I don't have any evidence on uh, chemical doping whatsoever. And I. Um, uh, I was, I'm surprised to hear of its prevalence. So I, I can't answer better than I have. Yeah. 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 I, I wish, well, I'm glad maybe I don't know about it. Yeah. I don't know about it in, in senior games, but we don't, we don't, I don't, to my knowledge, we don't look for it. Yeah. Well, they take, they do take, give drug tests whenever you win an event in the senior games. Oh, do they? Oh yeah. Did they really? And they do. Okay. Then they do look for it. Yep. I didn't is know this, that. Carl, is this at nationals? You're uh, talking nationals, nationals. Yes. This is nationals. They don't do it in state or local, of course. Wow. So is it just for the gold medalist ones that they do it, or they do it for all three? Uh, gold medalist and also randomly. We'll okay. Take somebody out. Well, that that's good. So, that's interesting to know. Um, they, they but I've heard the same thing that you were just saying, that it's really prevalent among the seniors event. Wow. Yeah. My new goal is to get drug tested because I did something so well. <laughs> it's just, Can't you know, say. one of those little goals that I'll have. Well, you know, caffeine does, it has been shown to help. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. it used to be considered an illegal drug, but not anymore. <laughs> it's legal now, but, and it does help. Um, we're getting close to nine, but uh, Melissa, do you have any other questions? That's good. 
can can I just share one yep. a- quick anecdote? Okay, uh, in the national championship or in the national senior games in Minnesota, there was a guy there. He was 102 years old, and he was competing in every event that he could compete in, which were mostly throwing events. Um, but um, he had a he had a he was 102, and he had a T-shirt on that said "Old to be 100 again." Uh, <laughs> I want to be like that. I love it. I love it. Um, anybody have anything else you want to add? Um, well, I bought a car when I was 80, and I was sure that was going to be my last car. Uh, it began to, uh, it didn't have its get up and go when I bought a new car last month. And this time I am sure it's going to be my last car. You never know. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I've got a last comment before I sign off. Um, rate and review and share the podcast. Pete's doing a great job. Uh, let's not keep it a secret, folks. Yeah, I Absolutely. agree. Thank you, Pete. I, I enjoyed in the interview and this hour a great deal. I appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, so uh, Mike basically said it. So, yeah, please please share this too with everyone. Um, the only way we're going to get there, we're at 750 downloads uh, right now. And my goal, so we're going to talk about goals. October 1st was to have a thousand. So we got 250. We need to spread this thing. <laughs> so we got a little bit to go. I don't think I'll make it, but guess what? I want to be as close as I can. And um, coming up, I've already done four of the next 10 interviews and I got some really good interviews coming up. Um, I will say, um, so you just got to stay tuned. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna break it in. But if you join the Weathered Athlete Podcast um, group page, I will be posting stuff on there and kind of giving updates. And I, I cannot thank you all enough for doing this. Didn't know how it was going to turn out, but I, I, it fantastic. I love every bit of it, and thank you so much. Thank you all. Thanks for including me. Good night. Thanks. Walt, if you see me, say hello. So I will. Need... I'm going to beep the horn the next time or I'll pull over and stop for sure. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for inspiring me. I hope you enjoyed today's live stream event and learned as much as I have from this experience. For those interested in seeing the video of Lily, the weathered athlete mascot, I encourage you to visit the weathered athlete Facebook group and our YouTube channel. Details can also be found at www.weatheredathlete.com. I want to thank the panel for joining me as we reflected back on the first 10 episodes and spent some time discussing follow-up topics. Please don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a comment, give a rating on Apple Podcast, and share with your friends. Until next time, my miles are for the journey, Pete Perusik. <laughs>